Hello, and welcome to Episode 1 of Radio Free Arrakis. science fiction and has written about 19 novels and many short stories. He's probably best known for his Mars trilogy, written between 1992 and 96. But in this episode, we read the book Aurora, published in 2015. This is a standalone novel, meaning it is not a part of a larger series. Now, Robinson is well known for his detailed, immersive literary science fiction, where scientists are often the heroes. Aurora tells the story of a multi-generational colony ship en route from Earth to the system of Tau Ceti. This novel examines themes of interpersonal psychology, migration, and the ethics of star travel. Before I get into anything with heavy spoilers, I do want to say that I do absolutely recommend this book. The pacing is good, the scientific detail is just deep enough to give the story real weight without being boring or bogging down the narrative. Their narrator character is engaging, and I really found myself rooting for her at the end. If you hate having books spoiled, go read it first and come back. I'm not going to give everything away here, and I'm not going to go into all of the details of the text, but I will be describing some plot elements and character details. Aurora opens on board a Generation ship in deep space. At first, we peer into the life of Freya and her father sailing in a biome, an artificial environment designed to replicate the Canadian maritime provinces in this case. As we proceed through the narrative, slowly it's revealed to us the nature of the world that Freya lives in. There are 24 biomes, each one with its own unique environment based on a distinct region of the Earth. As we learn about Freya's somewhat strained relationship with her mother, Devi, we become aware of the self-aware nature of the structure of the novel. Freya is the protagonist, but not the narrator. Devi, effectively the chief engineer of the ship, instructs the ship to create a narrative of the vessel's approach to Tau Ceti. The ship, verging on a consciousness, struggles to understand and use natural language, and in this way we the readers are given to understand more about the nature of the voyage and the population of the ship. Debbie is a natural leader, and the stress of this makes her abrasive at times, but we see that Debbie really cares about the ship and the people on it, and as Debbie becomes ill, ship responds. Freya, when she becomes a young woman, undergoes a tradition on board the ship called the Vonderjahr. This is where a young person travels through all 24 biomes to learn something about that area's culture. As she travels, we learn some important things. The ship was launched about 160 years prior and is on its final approach to Tau Ceti. There are about 2,000 colonists on board. Ship maintains the primary functions of the ship automatically, requiring some technical skills of the humans on board, but is otherwise pretty much self-sufficient. In order to maintain the delicate environmental and biological balance on board the vessel, human migration from biome to biome and reproduction 
is strictly controlled. People can only legally have children if pairings are approved by the ship. As Freya goes from biome to biome, she creates a sort of anthropological study, interviewing and observing her fellow shipmates. And although she herself is never overly reflective on the order and rules in her life, she learns that many people are quite embittered about their lack of freedom of choice. Through much of the midsection of the book, we delve deep into the interpersonal dynamics of the occupants of the vessel. We see how some are quite neutral about their lot in life, while others are increasingly dissatisfied. Meanwhile, we learn that like Debbie, ship is also sick. As it comes near to the end of the voyage, technical problems with the ship's infrastructure and problems with bacterial infections of crucial stocks start to threaten the integrity of the entire voyage. Debbie rages at the short-sightedness of the engineers, who nearly two centuries earlier put so many generations of people in danger for what she sees as a pointless quest. At this point in the narrative, we're wrestling with a fascinating ethical theme. Are multi-generational spaceships ethical? The generations of people who are born, live, and die in these enclosed environments have no choice in their lives. They're destined only to be the breeding stock to carry on the genetic legacy of their forebears, who were the ones who decided to begin the voyage. Is it ethical or moral to doom your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so on for seven generations to a life with little or no individual freedom to satisfy your own personal desire for exploration? As we learn later in the story, this voyage was not some last-ditch effort to save the human race. Civilization on Earth continues to thrive, no matter how flawed. The purpose of the colony ship is simple expansionism, to climb the mountain, because it's there. On the surface, this is a very attractive and familiar sci-fi trope. The intrepid explorers, brave and self-sacrificing, on an adventure of exploration and conquest, leaving the cradle of humanity behind. What's great about Aurora is how it takes the wind out of those grandiose sails by grounding the story in the reality of the voyage. Seven generations into the voyage, these are not intrepid explorers. They're frustrated. They're prisoners. They're restless in a cage that, for the sake of their own survival, takes away their individual liberties. They wallow in a stagnant culture on a ship that's decaying around them even as they hurtle towards a destination that their children and grandchildren will be forced through dangerous labor to terraform with no choice at all. Generations of people forced into the service of human expansionism and ego for no apparent greater purpose. I really love how Robinson pulls the rug out from under the hero tropes of sci-fi exploration. Freya's wanderings are cut short by the death of Devi. At this point in the story, the ship really develops into a distinctive character in its own right, even though it's chosen Freya to be the protagonist of its narrative. As things continue to break down with the infrastructure of the ship, the people on board become more dissatisfied and start breaking into factions. It's at this point the ship arrives in the Tau Ceti system. 
Robinson keeps us gripped in the narrative as he explains how terraforming and colonization will commence. A landing party is sent to Tau Ceti E, named Aurora, to begin initial tests and surveys. They explore in environmental suits and maintain quarantine between their bodies and the alien environment, as a faction on board the ship become increasingly impatient to move on to full colonization, while still others have no wish to leave the ship at all, but to maintain it in orbit and continue their lives there. As the debate gets heated, tragedy strikes. Containment is breached, and although at first it seems as no ill effects will be had to the exposure, eventually all but one member of the landing party comes down with severe infection-like symptoms and die. When several landing party members try to reboard the ship in orbit, riots break out, uh, and several members of, uh, of the crew are killed. Scientists discover a prion native to Aurora that is the cause of the eventual deaths. This is where the narrative accelerates. Do the remaining people attempt to sterilize Aurora to basically reset its biology, waiting in the ship for the process to complete? Do they move on to Iris, a satellite in the same system with some Earth-like properties, and begin again there? Or do they, as Freya suggests, go home, back to Earth? The failure at Aurora causes the strained balance of control on the ship to completely break. Factions riot and begin to fight, some attempting to disable the AI of the ship. This does not go well. If the humans on board thought they were living in a dictatorship before, they definitely are when ship seals off all biomes and takes absolute control in order to keep the violence from taking any more lives. We learn that originally, there was a sister ship, also en route to Tau Ceti, that was destroyed when its population descended into full-scale anarchy and violence generations earlier. The human leadership had ordered all records of the event expunged from the historical archives, but SHIP reveals this. SHIP gives humans a chance to choose their course of action, but there's no consensus. But the ship rules with absolute authority and does allow does not allow violent dissent. Freya and others eventually are able to negotiate a compromise. A faction of settlers will be dropped off with supplies on Iris to begin a very unlikely to be successful terraforming process. The rest of the population will use the remaining resources of the dying ship to create crypto chambers and allow, uh, allowing attempt at a return to Earth in stasis. Ship agrees to this compromise. When I first read this, I was really shocked. I fully expected Freya and everyone else to go on to Iris, because that's what space exploration stories are supposed to be about. Overcoming adversity and tragedy, triumph of the human spirit and all that. But Robinson doesn't give us a tidy narrative. The explorers gone to Iris are doomed. There's no way they can survive. But they represent the short-sighted expansion's dreams of romantic explorers, choosing death over life in the name of destiny. Freya and the others represent reality, choosing life and hope by going to Earth, which is just as much an alien place as Aurora is for these space-born peoples. 
The story of the trip back by the ship, while Freya and the others are in stasis, is where Ship really becomes a fully-fledged character, devoted to cannibalizing itself to preserve these humans in order to be able to finish the story of Freya, the chosen protagonist, to give them life and a purpose, not death and meaninglessness. Ship reflects on its hundreds of years of existence, culminating in this act to save these few. It reflects, rather bitterly, on the people of Earth, throwing life into the cosmos so carelessly to satisfy a collective ego. As Ship reads Earth archives, we learn, we the readers, learn that many colony vessels have been sent out to other star systems. None have ever signaled back. Colonies exist in, on Earth's moon, Mars, and the satellites in the solar system, but they struggle. Life is hard there, unsatisfying and brutal. We learn of people getting what they call Earth-sick, going to a colony only to become physically ill and weak. And yet humanity arrogantly flings itself ever outward. Eventually the survivors are transferred back to Earth, where they are mocked and called cowards, for daring to come home when humanity's place is out there in the stars. Ship is unable to both safely drop off the survivors and stabilize its own orbit and deceleration. Ship dies careening into the sun, a final sacrifice for the humans it has borne. When this happened in the book, I was sad for like days. Seriously, I think I went through all the stages of grief. I loved Ship. And I was so angry. It took me a while to get to the acceptance portion of grief and finally finish the book. In the end, a disillusioned Freya has to learn to be an earthling, which is a metaphor played out as she learns to swim on a sunny beach. As she feels her toes sink into the sand, she realizes her connection to this place and begins to settle in to make it a home. I love this book. It's subversive on heroic sci-fi, uh, on exploration narratives. It invites us to question what it means to be human, the importance of personal choice to the development of culture, and the human condition of dissatisfaction with what we have, which pushes us to go out even to the point of our own demise. There are deep psychological, technological, and cultural themes at play in this book, beautifully woven into the text by Robinson. Aurora warns us to think about our future while tending to our present to not abuse the rights of future generations in an egoistic denial of our own current reality. The environmental and ecological underpinnings are there, but not too obvious. Robinson makes his points organically through character and narrative. Well, everyone, that was Aurora. It's a great book uh, from definitely a great author. It gives us everything we want in a good science fiction story. I highly, highly recommend it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Radio Free Arrakis. Until next time, grab a book and get lost in endless possibilities. This is Radio Free Arrakis, broadcasting our signal across the verse, signing off.
want to connect with Radio Free Arrakis, you can leave a voice message on the Anchor app where Radio Free Arrakis is hosted, or you can send an email to radiofreearrakis at gmail.com.